0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I'm your host, Bananiac, and this is Bananas. Listen. So I missed last week's episode, but only because I was at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine that was hosted by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine in Washington, D.C. But anyway, it's kind of a good thing because I interviewed a bunch of awesome people at the conference, including Dr. Greger, who I previously featured in episode three, a former classmate of mine who is now an RD for PCRM, plus many more awesome people that you may or may not know. So I cannot wait to share that with you guys. Also, I want to remind people that if you want to support the podcast and the work that I'm doing, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, give it a five-star rating if you enjoy it. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Bananiac, which I post all the episodes on there in video format, plus some more behind-the-scenes type of stuff. You can also check out the show notes on Bananiac.com and use the Amazon banner link for all your shopping needs at no extra cost to you. And you can also donate via Patreon in exchange for different perks. And really want to thank everyone who has supported this podcast already. We are only four episodes in and I can feel the love. So today's episode is very special. This is definitely one of my favorite interviews or conversations that I've ever had because it's with Paul de Gelder. So let me tell you the story. One day I was watching this video by Casey Neistat. I love that guy. He's definitely one of my favorite YouTubers. And in one of his videos, he was interviewing a shark attack victim who had a really inspiring story, this being Paul de Gelder. So Paul actually lost his right arm and leg to a bull shark as a, a military diver And now dedicates his life in protecting sharks and other sea life. You guys may have seen some videos I posted with him on my YouTube channel, Bananiac, which shows a bit more context on what he went through. So I definitely encourage you guys to go watch those videos when you get the chance. Oh, and he's also the host of Shark Week, so maybe you guys know him through there. But this guy's a vegan badass. Not only... Is this dude jacked and can do more chin-ups with one arm than I can with my two little cyclist arms. But he also has a very positive mindset and such compassion for all life. So let's get right into this week's episode with Paul DeGelder.
1: The LA ocean is kind of gross. (laughs) <laughs> um, but just, just to know what's there and I can sit here at, at my desk and look out the balcony. I can see all the ocean. Sure. I can see all the Santa Monica mountains. Um, so it's a good spot for that. Plus Marina, you have being close to Washington, which is the divide between Marina and Venice. Mm-hmm. You get the option as to whether you want some quiet or you want some crazy.
0: Totally. Yeah. It's always good being by the water. I uh, lived in Florida for a little bit, so that We're, was like, yeah. um, Like, I lived in Miami and Daytona Beach, so it was, like, really cool always just being by the water. Even if you don't want to get into it, there's just something about, like, just even seeing it or walking by it or running, whatever. Like, just being by the water is just powerful.
1: Yeah, makes Um, you feel good.
0: Yeah, definitely. Where are you now? I'm in uh, Maryland, so it's, like, right by D.C.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I've been down uh, there a few times.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, It's cool. I mean, there's, like, a lot of job opportunities, but not much to do around here. Because uh, I, I don't, like me, I, like I don't like drink or anything. Like I just ride my bike and like make videos. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know what, man? That's a, a recipe for success.
0: <laughs> I, I try you know? to hustle, man. Like I'm trying to like go after this thing that I'm passionate for. Um, now, you got to, man.
1: That's the whole reason I moved out to America. Yeah. I kind of hit a, a peak in Australia doing what I was doing and I just saw, yeah. you know, what, the next step is to go out to the land of opportunity and I had some managers out here, so they're like, dude, everyone loves you out here, you've met all the production companies, but you're not here. Right. So I made the big steps and got out of a bad relationship, asked my mum to look after the dog for a little while and just, you know, I did two years in hotels and Airbnbs, yeah. I had All my life was in storage. I had a car in Sydney and a car in LA, and I just bounced back and forth for like 20 times in two years, just doing speaking jobs, meeting production companies, and it's working, man. Finally, you know, I just, Discovery Channel is is renegotiating my contract for like way more money, way more shows, you know, I get to stay out here in America and, and pursue this some more
0: that is so awesome man
1: spread the message you know
0: yeah like the level you're hitting like even uh so i've I've actually first discovered you um by watching casey's videos uh like i I love that guy
1: pretty much half of the people that follow me now Oh, i'm (laughs) sure
0: you got like a bunch of people your way
1: he's got a um very powerful following casey
0: yeah he's just good with the camera man and just like having yeah just a good personality on camera and connecting with people yeah um, but yeah, I, I, I saw you through him and, and then I went on your Instagram and, um, I was just looking cause like I was inspired by your story, but then I also saw like you have like plant-based or vegan or something on your profile. I'm like, Oh, that's even more awesome. <laughs> so I felt like I, I reach out to you and like, like I, I watched some of the interviews you've done on YouTube and they're pretty cool, but I have some questions here. Like, like, I don't think anybody has asked you these before. Um, so I think it should be an interesting conversation. I
1: love new questions because yeah. I've done interviews. I'm just regurgitating <laughs> the same shit in a different way. Every time.
0: So, yeah, Paul, did you, uh, I guess, want to start off by just telling a little bit about yourself and your story?
1: All right. My name's uh Paul DeGelda. I'm 41 years old. Uh, I was born in uh, down in Melbourne in Australia and moved from there when I was 10 to the capital of Australia called Canberra which is a very boring place and I found myself getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, I finally escaped that place when I turned 21 and I moved away and tried to start a new life. Um, that didn't go really as planned. I ended up working behind a bar in a strip club and making rap music so not really like <laughs> it, it, it gave me some new opportunities and. Uh, some new experiences but didn't really take me out of the, the bad environments um, and then I just you know I, I was hitting 23 and I just thought I've got to do something with my life because I, I'm looking down the barrel of just having an, a normal everyday suburban life not making much money working in hospitality and, and I just knew that there was so much more out there than that and so I ended up looking into joining the army and became an infantry soldier and spent the next four years doing incredible things with the army. I was jumping out of planes as a paratrooper. Um, I carried a machine gun for two years. I was a United Nations peacekeeper for six months in in a place called East Timor. And then after you know five years of doing that i I needed something else so i tried out for these guys in the navy called the clearance divers which are like the elite of the navy and i passed all the selection process um, passed the nine months continuation training and started living my dream as a as a navy clearance diver traveling the world jumping out of aircraft blowing shit up shooting guns um you know just lived at bondi beach and rode a big black italian sports bike i was like dream life i'd know fought tooth and nail and i'd finally done it and i was doing that for four years and then a bull shark attacked me while i was at work in sydney harbor and just took took it all away in 10 seconds so that was a, a pretty big day at work
0: yeah that's 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 crazy i mean that's like the probably like the last thing on your mind you're totally focused like on your work and
1: actually it was always the first thing on my mind oh. <laughs> Jeez. I was terrified of sharks. Oh, really? Not, not the best fear to have for someone who's in the water as much as a Navy diver. But I'm pretty sure I wasn't alone. But you, know, you have a job to do. You have missions. So you just put it to the back of your mind as much as you can and focus on the task. Right. But then it comes out of nowhere and starts eating you and it becomes very real.
0: Totally, yeah. Uh, just curious, like, do you know the statistics for, like, shark attacks? Are they really high, like, in Australia where you were working?
1: Um, I was the first person in 60 years. Wow. Yeah, just wow. very lucky. And we knew that there was bull sharks all through Sydney Harbour. The fishermen caught them all the time. People sure. see them. We know they're there. But they never really bothered anyone that much. Um, and I think it was just um, the, the perfect storm of ingredients. You know, it was at the end of summer, um, so the start of February is the last month of summer for Australia, so it, it's quite hot. The, the sharks are very active. They're hunting. It was early in the morning. It was overcast, so the light levels were very low, plus the water in Sydney Harbour is quite murky in, in a lot of the areas, so they wouldn't have been able to visually see me as well And I was on the surface in a black wetsuit, in a pair of black fins, flopping around on the surface like an injured seal. So you you can't do shit like that and expect to come out shiny every time.
0: Right. No, that's that's what I was going to say is like the media tends to hype up like the shark attacks. But like you said, they're not like that common. Um, But just going back to that day, um, I I just want to like, like, how did you end up? getting out of that situation i mean it is a rare instance but like it's very scary like how did you end up surviving that shark attack
1: um i think a lot of factors came into play that kept me alive um the first one was the the decade of military experience that i had learning how to um i guess control panic in a in a a very turbulent situation how to, how to think through situations um, because I, I literally thought I was about to die. It had me underwater. I was drowning. I was in total agony. I couldn't get away from this shark. Um, so I, I was preparing myself for death. And then I popped to the surface and realized I wasn't dead. The shark wasn't attached to me anymore. I wasn't being thrashed around. And I had a safety boat in the water about um, 100 metres away, so about 300 feet away, and three of my buddies were in there, so I thought, I've got to get out of here, and I just started swimming back to the boat, Um, and I took a stroke, but my hand was missing, so my medical training taught me to keep the wound above my heart, so I kept it out of the water above my head as much as I could, Um, and I started swimming with one hand, and my leg was so badly damaged that I couldn't even feel it. I couldn't move it, couldn't feel it, so I was swimming back to the boat, with one arm, one leg, through a pool of my own blood. And the guys in the safety boat had seen it, obviously, and were coming towards me to pick me up at the same time. So we kind of met in the middle. They pulled me out of the water and did first aid and kept me alive until the paramedics arrived. Um, Then they pumped me full of drugs, took me straight to the hospital, which was only about 10 or 15 minutes away, and wheeled me straight into emergency surgery. So the fluidity of it, um, how smooth everything ran, my training, my buddy's training, the paramedics, and the fact that surgery was set up all kept me alive because without without all of those coming into play, just just one brick missing and I could have died. Now, I went through uh, 150 liters of blood. That's 300 donations, so it's a lot of blood. Yeah, so if I didn't get to surgery that quick, I, I would have died from loss of blood. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. Like it's incredible we're even having this conversation, like wow.
1: you see you see the surgery photos and even I can't believe that I'm yeah. still alive.
0: And and your leg, you actually ended up losing that after surgery, correct? You had that amputated. It wasn't because of the, yeah. the shark.
1: The um the shark took my whole hamstring and a lot of my nerve. So I couldn't move it, I couldn't feel it the doctor broke it down for me and gave me the reality of the situation. So after a a week after the attack, I had to make the decision and I decided to just have it taken off because there was no way it was going to be useful. I'd just be dragging it around with me like a lump of dead wood. At least now I have a a prosthetic, the best prosthetic leg in the world.
0: Definitely. Um, Yeah. So I guess um, let's, let's kind of talk about like, Life after surgery, how are you able to to move forward from this day and just stay positive? Like I've seen you on on many different videos and talk shows and you seem like a really positive guy. Um, how have you turned the situation around and just just kept moving
1: forward? Um, you know what? I used to get called stubborn a lot, and I think a lot of how well I've done has come down to my stubbornness because i refuse to be depressed i refuse to have a crappy life i refuse to let this beat me because i had an amazing life and i'm not going to let an eight second incident take that all away from me we we get to make a choice every day when we get up am i going to be positive or am i going to be negative and am i am i going to make today worth living or am i going to make it shit so that's what i do you know i i I I have so many more dreams to do. I get this second chance at life. I literally thought I was dead. So now I get this second chance. You can't waste it. And all the love and support that I was getting from my friends, my family, from the military, even people from around the world that I didn't know that were sending me letters of support, I I can't waste that. I have to show them that that love and support wasn't wasted. So now I think the biggest thing that I did was I I found – I re-found a purpose and a value because I think that was my biggest fear when I was laying in that hospital bed, wondering which way I was going to go, whether I was going to be depressed and sad and have a shitty life and look at the negatives, or I was going to look at the things that I still had in my life and finding value and purpose in what was to come was probably the biggest thing because without those two things, It's so much harder to get up out of bed because you don't feel like you have anything to offer the world. So you find those things, and they're your motivation and your driver.
0: Exactly. You made it an awesome point, man. Like once you have that purpose and you know what your goal is, there's nothing stopping you. I mean, life is so precious. It's so short. Like you just got to go for it. Whatever challenges.
1: I don't think people realize how much people die. (laughs) <laughs> like literally in America every day people, like hundreds of people are dying yeah. every day. So this, it could be you, you know, you could walk down the street, some idiot doesn't stop at a stoplight. You're dead. Boom, gone. Your, your, your light is extinguished. So find a purpose. Don't waste this time. Like find something amazing for yourself to do. And it doesn't even have to be something you know grand. Just make the little things count. You know, those little things, they build up over time and they, you know, it was like me recovering and going back to work. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine going back to the Navy straight away. It was too big. It was too hard. So i broke broken into small little achievable goals over time. Now, something as simple as get up earlier, find ways to sleep better, eat healthier, uh, get off the drugs, just little things that over time built up um, surprisingly quickly as well, because once you have those small little goals and challenges set, you you can smash through them all. But if you're just kind of bumbling through life going, okay, well, I have this dream of traveling the world, but I don't really know how I'm going to get there and I'm just going to wait and see if it happens. You will never get there. But if you have these little incremental steps, you can go one two, three, and I got back to work after six months and they said I would never be able to do that, that again. That is crazy. So crazy. It, it actually works.
0: Definitely, yeah. Yeah, just taking a baby step, something may seem so overwhelming, but each and every day you just have to try it and keep moving forward. That's, that's really inspiring, man.
1: I am, I am nothing special. I am not super strong. I'm definitely not super smart. I don't have incredible resilience or anything like that. I'm just a normal guy. I used to slash up my arms when I was a kid because I was so depressed. I struggled with life. I was smoking bucket loads of weed, taking drugs, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. It doesn't matter where you start as long as you start.
0: And um, right now, uh, like – how long has it been, by the way, since since your accident?
1: Um, a little over nine years now. Gotcha. It was February 11th, 2009. Gotcha. Um, so,
0: are, you, uh, are you able to go back into the water?
1: I went back into the water three months to the day after the shark attack, trying to surf on one leg. Wow. Um, because I love being in the ocean. We were discussing it before. How good does yeah. it make you feel? You don't even need to be in it, but – where I lived at Bondi Beach, the water and the beach is so beautiful. I'd see it every day when I was trying to learn how to walk again and things like that. And I just, all I wanted to do was get back in it and feel like totally encompassed in nature again. It's it's so healing. So as soon as my stitches and my staples were out of my leg and my hand, I went straight back in.
0: And and you're um, not you're not scared, like you're not you're not like worried. For-
1: dude, what's the chance of it happening twice? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, still
1: working for Shark Week. It's probably a very high chance because I do, <laughs> I do some really ridiculous things now, like swimming with great white sharks without a cage in the middle of the ocean. So, yeah, I, I'm pushing the limits on that.
0: <laughs> Power to you, man. That's that's great, though.
1: There's nothing left to be afraid of once you've come that close to death. Yeah, there is nothing left to be afraid of because our our, our ultimate fear is is death so why are we scare of heights and spiders and this and that uh, a, a lot of the times it comes down to we're just afraid of dying we don't want to get hurt we don't want to die you find out what's really important when you come that close to death and that is not having any regrets
0: right exactly um what uh what tips would you have to um anyone who does encounter a shark in the middle of the ocean or the sea um what tips would you have for them to survive in a situation like that
1: if if you can't get away from it say there's no option you're the shark is swimming around you you're not near land you're not near a boat or anything what you want to do is try and keep your eyes on it as much as you can uh, so i just shot a show where i was drifting through the ocean the atlantic ocean 2000 feet deep uh, for two days and two nights no food no water and the, the crew were chumming the water as well. So it was a, a scenario whereby our boat had blown up. We were in the middle of the ocean, maybe we were spearfishing. The, the bait box had gone over the side, it attracted all the sharks. And I spent two days surrounded by a, a pack of oceanic white tips. And the thing that's, that kept me safe was the fact that I could see them, I remained calm, and any time they came in, I didn't meet them with aggression, I met them with a dominant force. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had occasionally safety divers in the water and I had to keep telling some of them off because they kept jabbing the sharks with a pole and which was aggravating them. So I had to show them you don't have to do that If it comes in close to you, put your hand on the end of its nose, put it on the side of its head, redirect it, push it away. You're showing a sign of dominance, not aggression. So that's what I would highly recommend. Don't take your eyes off it. Don't be super aggressive unless it's really having a go at you. If it's really like gnashing its teeth at you, straight for the eyes, straight for the nose if you can. All of this was running through my head too, but I just didn't have the opportunity to do that.
0: No, I mean like that's like going completely against your instinct. Like you just want to yeah. turn and run or swim away. Exactly. But, but a, a lot
1: of the time the sharks aren't trying to kill you. They're not trying to eat you. They're just curious and they're coming in for a look. And you can see all of this. these videos on YouTube where great white sharks come up to people and they put their hand on the nose or they, they're swimming on its back and all this all this amazing stuff. Um and generally that is enough to deter it. For it to realize, okay, this isn't food. Um you know, the the biggest rule that someone taught me was don't act like food, they won't treat you like food. Yeah. It's <laughs> good advice. But don't run away. Don't don't try like thrashing away if it's yeah. too close.
0: Well, I guess it's kinda of like a dog too. I watch um I've seen some episodes with Caesar Milan and he talks about kinda of like what you're talking about, like being dominant and not yeah, just not like letting the dog be over you you know Mm -hmm. um so dominating the situation but that's interesting i never thought about a shark that way either
1: yeah they're they're just curious uh, most of the time uh, there's always it is a wild animal and there are instances where sharks have just gone bananas eaten people uh attacked people but that's that's the wild sure it's unpredictable there's not one size fits all for every scenario
0: totally can we talk a little bit about um, – because I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm a nutritionist. Um, what were the nutrition recommendations for you after surgery? Did they um, recommend any type of uh, – like did they recommend like eating more protein or anything special like
1: that? No. I didn't get any direction whatsoever. Um, fortunately I had a, um, one of my best friends that I grew up with, he moved in with me to look after me when I, like, you know, some days I couldn't even get out of bed. So he moved in with me to like, look after the cleaning and he was a chef. So he looked after all the cooking as well. So he, he knew the nutritional requirements. Um, and at that point I, I still really didn't know that much about nutrition being in the military. A lot of the times you just eat what is ever at work. Um, it wasn't until, the last couple of years that I've really delved into nutrition and health. <clears throat> so uh, I didn't get a lot of guidance as work. in the Australian military, we didn't have a lot of people coming home from war missing limbs um, at, at that point. So I was kind of one of the first ones who was operating at such a high physical level that I might potentially be able to go back to work. Um in my mind, no one else, no one in the military thought that I would excel as much as I did, but I knew I knew how to push my body and push my mind more than anyone else. so I took control of basically every aspect of my retraining i didn't didn't need to talk to a counselor because I already had that that sense of value and purpose and that's what I needed to be positive. I didn't have uh, a training coach. They didn't supply me with anything like that. Uh, I just got into the gym as soon as I could and and started learning about training and started improvising training techniques and training devices that I could use without a hand and a leg. Um, so sometimes you just got to get in there and you got to find out what works for you.
0: Definitely. Um, and you're you're vegan, correct?
1: Yeah, plant based.
0: That's awesome. Uh, what what are you eating there, by the way? Is that like a kale salad?
1: This, this is my after training breakfast that i have pretty much every day it is amazing Um, what what's inside there it's three scoops of oats it's a scoop of this um protein powder that i discovered from a company called high performance nutrition it's banana maple french toast flavor
0: that sounds good
1: so good (laughs) Um, so i mix that in it's a scoop of chia seeds a scoop of buckwheat a scoop of cacao powder um, some uh, hemp seed hearts and some mixed nuts and some blueberries nice man it is so it's so much like people ask me where i get my protein from obviously as i'm sure you do like it's the dumbest question <laughs> totally. ever <Instead> of food <laughs> this, 55 grams of protein yeah
0: yeah, it sounds like a good bit. You said um, hemp seeds, it has nuts, um, even oats. That's great. That, yep. That's all yep. good, man. That sounds
1: it's, really good. It's so good, man. <laughs>
0: um, uh, how, how long
1: like protein.
0: How long have you been vegan?
1: Uh, I think it's coming up on like three years now.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I've really, I would never go back.
0: What, what made you decide to start eating more plant-based?
1: I felt like a hypocrite. I went to Africa, and I was shooting this documentary. It was supposed to be for Xbox, um, but then Nat Geo played it, and I was embedding with an anti-poaching unit in Africa in Zimbabwe, and I was going through all of their, their ranger training and unarmed combat, deadly snakes training, all the shooting and stuff, and the guy that had founded and was running the International Anti-Poaching Foundation there, a guy called Damien Manda, um, he – was a navy clearance diver in australia as well and i'd met him once before but we, we never really knew each other and we talked backwards and forwards and i went to africa and we we filmed this show and it was really awesome but he had a cook his chef creating a separate meal for him and his wife and i was asking him about that and he said oh yeah i don't i don't eat animals I, I, this is all vegan And I said, why why would you do that? Like you asked me. And he said the exact same thing that I said to you. He goes, I was protecting the animals and I was eating the animals and I felt like a hypocrite. And he's a huge man. He's so big. Um, And I just figured, you know, it it, it planted the seed and it it kept coming up, this plant-based lifestyle, this vegan lifestyle. It kept popping up in my life. And I feel like when that happens, you need to start listening to the universe. So... I started thinking about it and I thought, well, geez, I work in conservation. I work trying to save the oceans. I'm eating all the fish, and I'm eating all the chickens, and like I'm eating kangaroos and all that stuff, and I felt like a hypocrite. So it started there, and it took a little while. I gave it a go once, and I failed miserably um, because I just went, oh, I'm just going to stop eating everything all at once, and it lasted not even a week. Um, but then some other people that I respected came to me with the idea as well. And I started listening and I did it incrementally, just like the goals and challenges we were talking about earlier. I cut out red meat, white meat, fish. And the last one was eggs, which was quite hard because it was like my last vestige. Come home after training, got to get that lean protein in, got to <laughs> eat those eggs. Right. Now, honestly, eggs gross me out.
0: It's
1: like, nasty, it's it's funny how, you know, people talk about it with sugar. Once you stop consuming sugar, you lose that craving for it and you actually don't want it and the sweetness is too much for you. Now, it's the same with, with animal products. I physically don't want them. They, they don't interest me. I don't want to be an, some asshole that knows full well what's happening out there in the factory farms and what the animal agriculture industry is doing to our planet and the commercial fishing is doing to our oceans and just turn a blind eye and just go it'll be all right someone else is looking after it you know it's it's these little things that we can all do you want to save the oceans you know i get a lot of people ask me how what can i do what conservation group can i join i'm like stop eating fish starts
0: with your diet yeah yeah, yeah. totally and and that's so awesome to see someone in your position like make that connection. Someone working with animals, because yeah, I mean, like you said, there's people working in preservation,s doing all these all these awesome things for animals, but just not making yeah. the connection that when they go home for dinner, they're eating, you know, other yeah. animals.
1: Their um, ideals and their actions just aren't meeting.
0: Right. Right.
1: And it's it's a win win because you know I I thought I was gonna lose muscle and i was going to become skinny and unhealthy like the stereotypical idea of a plant-based or vegan person and that did not happen Dude, all yeah. i did was I had, I had to learn about nutrition
0: yeah and and you're huge like you're in great shape man like i've seen videos of you benching you bench more than <laughs> than me man with like these two hands like that's awesome that's so awesome Dude,
1: i haven't i haven't had a serious injury since i started and I used to get injured all of the time. I'd have my elbows would blow out, my shoulder would blow out, my knee would blow out. I haven't had a single serious injury like that in over two and a half years yep. So I'm not going back man. <laughs> Life is too good. I feel good in my soul, my body feels good and people talk about having all this endless energy and stuff. I haven't really noticed that like I, I, I'm not gonna bullshit. Anyone? I'm not going to say, oh, I just feel like I've got all this energy. I don't. I I don't feel that different physically every day. But I don't have the injuries and I feel good in my soul.
0: That's awesome.
1: Nothing is dying needlessly for me to live. So that's enough for me.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Both great points, man. Um, you go to bed at night and, and you don't have to worry about like the harm that you would be doing otherwise. So, and mostly
1: people don't anyway because it's, it's either ignorance or they don't care.
0: Um, yeah. Once
1: you know, once you've watched Cowspiracy, once you've watched What the Health, once you've watched all these amazing documentaries about animal agriculture and you still turn a blind eye, that's, yeah. that's unacceptable. Totally.
0: And so, uh, can you talk a little bit about like your fitness routine? Like, what do you what do you do in in order to stay um, fit?
1: Um, so, I, I I've always trained for my lifestyle. Uh, so when I was in the army, I had to have a crazy endurance. Um, I didn't have to be big and strong, which was great because I just could not maintain muscle, um, especially on the food they feed us out in the in the field. But I, I could run forever. I could do push ups forever. I could walk with a pack forever. Um, then I changed to the Navy, and it was it was very similar. There was a little bit more swimming, a little bit more um, breath control type stuff. Um, all around physical fitness involving strength as well, because there was a lot of really heavy stuff we had to lift and boats to pull through the ocean. So I trained for that. I'd go to work and we'd have PT in the morning. It'd be a lot of HIIT training. Mm-hmm. And then after work, I'd go and lift weights so I could keep some muscle mass. Now I don't need to have that crazy endurance. I keep an all around level of fitness. Um, Running for me now just isn't that much fun. Uh, I don't, the blade, like I love running, but I don't get that same feeling where I'm just running along and you get your wind and everything's sort of cool. Now it's like I've got to concentrate on every single step and I've got pain from the, the blade socket running, rubbing my skin off. It's just, it just doesn't have that feeling for me anymore, but I love going into the gym. I get my headphones on i will go outside i train down at gold's at venice as well which is incredibly motivating and inspiring and i'll go out the back and i'll i'll work on my one-legged box jumps you No, know, so nice. I, can, I can develop the strength and the speed and the endurance of my one leg that i have so that when i encounter things in life I, i'm already ready for it you No, know, i can still do Bulk loads of push-ups, lots of chin-ups. I, I love calisthenic type stuff, body weight. But I also like the heavy weight so I can keep some muscle mass. Um, because you know your diet, your nutrition, and, and the way you train are what are going to give you the body that you want. So I, you know, it, it's it sound might sound dumb, but I'm kind of a product now. Now that I'm on Shark Week, now I'm on TV, um, now I'm doing things like that. You have to have a, a good outward appearance. So oh, I can't yeah. get on TV and talk about being plant-based and being healthy and not look healthy and fit and right. good. So I train for that lifestyle. I like to show people that it is totally achievable. Even if you're starting from the ground up like I had to, uh, even if you're, you have injuries or disabilities, it doesn't matter. You can find a way to do it.
0: Totally. Yeah. And you have to walk the talk like you said. You have to be a good role model for people
1: in order to exactly. inspire. Exactly. Do as I do, not as I say.
0: Yeah. And um, how about your prosthetics? Do you have like specific ones for um, certain type of workouts? Like, do you?
1: Yeah, I've got. Um, I don't have any of them with me right now. I've got one leg over here. Oh, let me just grab it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No worries. Got
1: it. So this is this is one of my diving legs. Oh, nice. Is that carbon so fiber? I, uh, yeah, on the outside, it's all carbon fiber. That's awesome. Uh, It's not bad. So this one I can, there's a button on the side I can press and point the toes. So that way I can put a a diving fin on it and kick my leg. Oh,
0: nice, nice.
1: The one that I've got that I'm wearing right now is probably one of the best prosthetic legs in the world for walking. Um, It's waterproof, but only for swimming, not for diving, which is why I've got to change legs. Yeah. Then I've got two for weightlifting, one for pulling exercises, one for pushing, I've got my robotic arm, which is incredible, um, a running blade. I've got a leg for like snowboarding. Um, my luggage can get really heavy, so I've got to choose which activity I'm going to participate in the most.
0: Totally. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's so cool that like companies are now making this technology and, and it's, like available for people yeah. that's I'm, I'm really looking awesome
1: day where everything is encompassed into one prostate
0: right. definitely have to
1: keep changing limbs. <laughs> one day it'll happen one day <laughs> yeah technology is going so good now you know this stuff didn't exist 10 15 years ago
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: thank god for smart people
0: it's a good time to live for sure uh-huh um Kind of going back to diet, and this kind of like puts perspective on things. I'm kind of curious to hear what you have to say, but there's people that will claim like, "Oh, you shouldn't go vegan or plant based. Like we're meant to eat meat and be, uh, you know, we're we're omnivores." You know, Um,
1: (laughs) where's your evidence? Like, and everyone goes for the canine teeth. Okay, I I don't think my canines are going to rip any raw flesh off a. a new newly dead animal um all all the facts are already they're already out there like people are basing it off what they've heard from other people or they're basing it off the programming they've had from the this environments they've grown up with but when you look at it from a science-based aspect we have the body and the internal organs of a a, basically a frugivore so a a fruit-based animal um but we can process vegetables as well and we can process meat and things like that. But the inflammation caused by those, it, it's, it's not good for you. And there's so many people now, um, Dr. Sean Baker is one who's very prevalent in the carnivore diet. And it, I, I see what he's saying. I haven't seen the science behind it, but it's not maintainable for a long period of time. It's great because it's going to, it's going to bring down your fat. It's going to give you energy because it's full of fat. Um, it, it's got the proteins with the amino acid profile, but over a long period of time, that shit is going to clog up your body. You're going to just, you're going to get diseases from it. We're not designed to be eating meat nonstop. That's, that's not who we are. Um, and then you take into account the environmental damage you're doing. So look, I'm not a scientist. I don't have all the answers. Um, I watch really great people like James Aspie, who um, every time he gets into a discussion with someone, I learn something new about what he's saying about the ideals because sometimes people say things to me and I don't have the argumentative tips to come back at them. So watching people like James and, and some others really teaches me about, it teaches me more about why I need to do this um
0: so compassionate guy yeah
1: he's really cool yeah yeah you know you even at my age even in my lifestyle you can still have people you look up to there's nothing dumb about that i look up to people like james and Damian, manda and the guys from sea shepherd and a lot of my friends um and and they guide me through this but um dude I just, I, I'm so much healthier because I'm not trying to fill my plate up with meat. I'm eating way more vegetables with way more nutrients and I just took out the middleman. Everyone's like, where do you get your protein and your vitamins? I'm like, well, where do you get yours? And they say, well, I get my protein from meat, like, well, where do they get it from? Right, exactly. Like, it's like a light bulb goes on, like I cut out the middleman and I get unadulterated amino acid profiles, you're getting it secondhand. And and
0: and this is the only diet, the plant based diet, to like reverse some of the top killers like like heart disease, yep. diabetes, like all these things are being reversed through a plant based diet, and not you know there hasn't been really any evidence to show that a meat based diet has done that before.
1: No, people, um, I, I try to stay abreast of it all. Um, of all the, the diets, just, to, just so I have enough uh, to keep me informed, and there's always people on these carnivore diets that say I've never felt better. Right. Um, my cholesterol's come down and what, it, but I, I don't know if I can believe it. I want to see the studies. Right. Um, so that's that's something that I want to look into now. Now that I'm solidified in this in this lifestyle. I just need to, um, and I'm looking at doing a a documentary about this subject as well with a couple of my friends, because I'm not the person that's going to say, I'm right, you're wrong, because I don't have the science backing to say that. So what I want to do is create this this program where we find out, let's find out for sure. Let's take all the, the loudest proponents of each individual diet, be it paleo, keto, vegan keto, carnivore. And, and let's put it to the test let's find out. And, and so, that's in the making uh, right now. Yeah, that's a, that's what this is the next project I'm doing. I'm so busy with other projects, but this is the the next one once the the current stuff's finished.
0: That's really cool, man. Oh, I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I I feel like no one's done it. No one's said this is why it works. This is why this one doesn't work. Right. You know, even what the health was very one-sided. Um it, it, it was evident that people didn't want to talk about nutrition in that documentary um, for the Cancer Society and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. Right. Um, but no one's looked at it objectively from the center and said, "Let's let's test your carnivore diet. Let's test your blood. Let's get you working out. Let's see, you know, if it's scientifically backed."
0: Oh man, that's awesome. That's that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Is like sometimes like we are so passionate about our message that it can be one-sided. But I think approaching it the way you are, I think that's going to be great to kind of show the perspectives of everyone else around the table and to kind of show what is actually working and what isn't. So that's going to be really cool.
1: I don't like to be the the preachable person because you you try and force your opinion on someone and and they're just going to shut down and not listen. So I think it's, it's great to be able to listen to everyone and absorb what they're saying and then find out. Is it true?
0: Exactly, exactly. But um, at the same time, like I think it's just uh, it, it's crazy to like pick like a an animal that does like eat meat, like like a shark, and saying that humans should be eating meat, where like all of our anatomy is just kind of pointing to like uh you know like an herbivorous ur- 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 creature.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what but I mean? It's it works, man. As well. Yeah. You know, why would you want to inflict harm on another animal, another creature? when you don't have to, right? And people love animals. Everyone loves animals. Everyone loves sharks. And they like, Oh, look at the pretty fish. And they travel the world to go scuba diving and look at these beautiful fish while at the same time, wiping them out. Exactly. There's, there's a hypocrisy there that people aren't connecting together.
0: I think, I don't know this. I, I may be wrong with this, but I think the fact that we have that feeling of compassion and empathy I think that almost alone is, you know, enough that we should not be eating animals. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if a if a lion or something like hunts, I I would imagine it probably doesn't feel too much empathy, but I don't yeah. know. I, I could well, be wrong with that.
1: Well, people people get absolutely uh, aggravated and disgusted by the Chinese Yulan festival, right. for example.
0: Exactly. The festival
1: yes. where they exactly. eat dogs cats and lychees you know three three great tasting things they get they're disgusted by that and they think it's the most horrible thing and yet they'll eat a pig which has been proven to be smarter than a dog and even some chimpanzees you know where where is the disconnect why does this one animal have so much more value than another one you know they they all want to live None of, no one wants to live in a cage. No one wants to be exploited for your babies or inseminated for your milk. Why would you drink milk from a cow when you wouldn't drink milk from a dog? It's the same I'm thing. Right? Yep. It's just one animal is the as same as another.
0: Exactly. I,
1: I don't get it anymore. You know, Once you think about it and you start practice, practicing it in your life, you, it, it blows your mind that people – um, I, I see advertisements on TV all of the time about the double, triple Burger King bacon burger, and I just can't believe that people still eat that shit. I can't believe that that's not criminal.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. We like, just met <laughs> Any way you look at it, I think we can agree is like health-wise, environmentally, for the animals, like it just doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, you do a lot of work with, uh, shark week, um, and, and helping preserve sharks and protect wildlife. Um, okay. Before I ask you my question, why, how can you, um, just show compassion for, for an animal that was so aggressive to you? Um, like how, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Like why, why are you trying to help sharks? I,
1: I never blamed the shark for starters. I chose a dangerous life. I chose a dangerous job. So when you do that, you have to accept that something can go wrong. And when it does, you can't get upset about it. Otherwise, you shouldn't have been there in the first place. So it's stupid of me to get upset at a shark for something that was outside of my control, but I put myself in that situation. So I, I never blame the shark. Um, I'm, I might have been sometimes angry about the situation, but over the years, um, I became the person that the Australian media would turn to when there was a shark attack. So out of necessity uh, of not sounding like a moron, I had to learn about sharks and why sharks attack and the anatomy and the behaviour and all that sort of stuff. So through knowledge we dispel fear is a common saying and that's what happened. The more I learn about sharks, the more contact I came into them with the the less I realized I had to fear of them and how amazing they are and how essential they are. So it was kind of a, a stepping stone progress to the point where I was given a voice for good. And if you're given that opportunity, it would be a great shame to let it be wasted. So I have this voice. People seem to listen to it. I have a great connection with the younger generation that want to learn about sharks, um, want to go speak at schools and want to learn about life in general and what it's like to be on Shark Week. So, you know, Steve Irwin once said, if you can make people fall in love with something, they'll want to protect it. So my job isn't to do all this crazy shit. It isn't to risk my life. It isn't to be a dickhead on TV. It's to hopefully make people fall in love with our planet and want to protect it.
0: And let me ask you, why is it so important to protect sharks? Um, why why do they need um, preservations and not just leaving them alone in the wild?
1: Um, well, they can't be left alone in the wild because like, we can't stop protecting them at this point because the commercial fishing industry is destroying them. They're wiping the sharks out and not just the sharks, all of the fish. Right. One of my friends who is a, used to be a commercial fisherman, he's doing a, a bit of an Instagram expose at the moment about uh, the commercial fishing industry and how much bycatch there actually is because people don't understand. And one of the pictures that he posted was this huge big tub of a couple of squid, hundreds of these butterfish and a great white shark, all dead. The target species was the squid.
0: That is crazy. So
1: that is what commercial fishing... And everything
0: fishing else is like collateral damage or yeah. whatever.
1: He's got photographs of basking sharks, of dolphins, of sunfish, and you know, the mola mola. All of these things dead on the deck of a boat from commercial fishing. And the current status of the fishing industry, the, the regulations and, and rules that they abide by, are currently unsustainable. We're just pillaging the ocean. And if you take the ocean's health away, you take the health of the whole planet away. And sharks are like, it's like playing Jenga. You remove one block and maybe you're okay. You know, there's a couple of species that gone extinct. The vaquita, I think there's only, you know, this is a a porpoise about yay big. There's only about 20 of them left in the world. And that's horrible. You can remove a block here, you can remove a block there, but it gets to the point where it becomes so precarious, the whole thing is going to collapse if you take too much away. And sharks are one of those. It's almost like removing a whole level, because they're so prevalent throughout the world. They keep the fish stocks healthy. They remove the dead, dying, and they keep, um, you know. And, and people don't, people hear it, but they don't understand. Okay, they remove the, they um, keep the fish stocks healthy. What that means is they remove partial numbers of fish that, if their their population's exploded, they would destroy the ecosystem. So, for example, uh, if you take so it, this is actually an example. There was a, a fishing village where the the community thrived off the scallops, mussel, mussels, oysters, and all the sharks were fished out of the water. So there's no sharks left. So what happened was the stingrays that the sharks ate, their population exploded and they destroyed all of the scallops, the mussels and the oysters, collapsed a whole industry. People lost their boats. They lost their homes. The whole, the whole community was shut down, basically, because they killed all the sharks. So that, that has been demonstrated over and over again in different scenarios. They killed the tiger sharks up on the uh, Sundays of Australia back in the, the 60s and 70s. What happened was uh, there was no tiger sharks to eat the turtles. The turtles ate all the seagrass. All of the manatees died because there was no seagrass left for them. Now, you, you remove one thing out and it cascades, and eventually that cascade, that domino effect, comes down onto us yeah. so it's not just for the sharks it's not just for the oceans it's for us too
0: right i guess it's important to understand kind of the food chain and and why sharks are so important for for like all of the sea life basically um yeah. you know you the sharks are gone one population may overpopulate or like you said uh, it may actually go down or disappear
1: yeah exactly
0: wow that's interesting i never thought of it that way um and and what can uh, people do in order to to help uh with shark preservation what opportunities are out there
1: you can stop eating fish the first and foremost thing that you can do the easiest thing you can do is stop eating fish easy no, totally. it, it's not hard you don't need it they're not that great for you people want to get their omega-3s you can get them plenty of other ways avocados, nuts, chia seeds. There's plenty of other ways to get your omega-3s. And you know you, you can go and join your local um, conservation groups. You can sign up for Sea Shepherd. You can look into your direct area. You can go and do beach cleanups. You can go and do dive cleanups. All of that stuff is amazing. But if we could just get more people to stop eating fish, the demand would go down. We wouldn't be raping and pillaging the ocean. Maybe some of the fish stocks would come back, which would keep the the, the um, commercial fishing from overfishing the fish, catching all the bycatch, and killing all the sharks.
0: Totally. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, it starts with your diet. Um, but, yeah, there are some great opportunities. Like, Sea Shepherd, I had a couple friends that were um, on some ships and, and worked with them, and t- they talked about some of the great work that they were doing going overseas and, like, just some of the illegal stuff or even like legal, but just like some yeah. of the massacre that occurred with like yeah. dolphins and, and other sea life. It's um, it's crazy. So people who do go into that type of work, like I have so much respect for them.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a passion, man. Like we were talking about before, they find a value and purpose and that's enough for them. You, know, you feel like you're doing good in the world and there's nothing that makes you feel better than feeling like you're doing good. I mean, oh, that was yeah. something that I learned uh, when I started doing a little bit of speaking. You know, The two biggest things I was afraid of were sharks and public speaking. And now I make shark documentaries and I do motivational speaking. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But um, I found that by just talking and telling a story and helping people with the messages that I had learned through life, I was helping them. And they would write to me through social media and let me know how much that helped. And that meant so much to me. It made me feel like I had that value and purpose. I was actually serving, you know, it was a a transfer over from my military service to now I'm serving the community directly. I'm helping people that I might never have the opportunity to meet face to face, but I can still help them improve their lives and their mindsets and their emotions and their physicality and their nutrition while saving the planet. So this is, that's you know, an amazing thing for me to feel like I can do.
0: That's a great message, man. Um, I guess uh, this is a good point to to wrap things up. Would you have um like any other final thoughts, any um, any uh, like how can people connect with you and find out more about you?
1: Um, the best way is probably Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty pretty good with that stuff. Um, Discovery Channels asked me to be more involved in the in the social media stuff, which is you know out, outside of my realm. But I'm trying to be better at it. Um, going on YouTube with Casey I opened my eyes to some stuff, so I'm doing a little more YouTubing. Um, but really, just you know, the, the change starts with you. you know, it, I, I hate it when I hear people say I can't. Or I could never those two words should be taken out of your vocabulary I can't and I could never. I I can't exercise I could never stop eating meat I could people say that for all manner of things don't don't say those just do it just that you can do anything you want Uh, my life is has proven that to me so just cancel those words out just if you're going to say I can't or I could never change it to I, I, I'm going to, I will. I, I'm, I'm not doing it just yet, but I can and I will. So I
0: hope you guys enjoyed this episode of This Is Bananas. To learn more about this episode, check out the show notes over at Bananiac.com. That's B-A-N-A-N-I-A-C.com. If you're looking for easy and nutritious plant-based recipes to make at home, you can download my ebook, Bananiac Simple Vegan Recipes, from my website as well. It includes 25 of my favorite whole food plant-based recipes that I make and eat every day and will hopefully help you eat more whole plant-based meals as well. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please rate it wherever you're listening to it share this episode with someone who could benefit from it leave a comment with your thoughts and subscribe to this is bananas as well as my youtube channel bananiac which you can find at youtube.com slash bananiac this helps me become more discoverable and ultimately reach more people with my work if you like to donate please visit patreon.com slash bananiac thank you so much for listening to my podcast and supporting the one man band that i am until next time everyone take care of yourself spread the word, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.